I want to talk to you about decisions. Uh, last week, I, if you didn't hear that, you really, that kind of goes along with this message about uh, when you hear God's voice and the, the main line that I wanted you to get out of that is, God sounds a lot like you. And if you don't, if that sounds weird to you, then you need to listen to last week's message. But um, I want to talk, this is going to be a simple message today, three quick principles. I had a, a bunch more, and I thought, no, I'm just going to knock it down to three. So the first principle in making decision is that you involve God on the front end, not the back end. So talk to God. Ask him about a, any kind of decision you need to, to know because he knows the end from the beginning. He does. So uh, I think if somebody knows how this is going to end, you would want to talk to them about that, would you not? Having said that, you, you may be a lot smarter than me, and you probably have not made as many horrible, miserable, terrible decisions as I have made. And so knowing that, you know, I was raised in church, and I always just thought, well, if you make a terrible decision... You know, God is just going to just say, you made your bed and I lie in it, and, uh, or something to that effect. Uh, you, have you seen the movie The Last Crusade? That uh, guy who's trying to find uh, the cup, and he drinks out of it, and it's the wrong cup, and he turns to ashes and dust. And I forgot, this church doesn't watch movies. But anyway, um, <clears throat> in that movie, the, the, the guy who's watching over uh, the chalice, he says, he chose poorly. And that was my feeling when I was growing up, you know, that I, if I chose poorly, I was going to end up like that guy, just a heap of ashes and everything. Until, uh, especially these last four or five years of my life, I found out that God says, no, that's not the end of the story. Because I've made some poor decisions. Have you made some poor decisions? And just like that, that guy was nothing but uh, a pile of ashes, this is what it says in Isaiah 61. He says, I can give you beauty for ashes. I don't know about you, but when you, when you see something that is just burned to the crisp and it's nothing but a pile of ashes, there's no hope of restoration. I know because that was my 69 Chevelle. I mean, it was just a pile. And so there's, you, you just cry. That's about all you can do because there's nothing you can do once it's ashes. I mean, if it's a little bit burnt, you can restore it or whatever. But if it's ashes, you can't do anything. But this is what God says. He says, I can take your pile of ashes and not only can I restore it, but I can make something beautiful out of it. Man. So when you make a poor decision in your life, don't think that it's over. Don't think that, man, I, it's just, I'm ruined. There's no hope. If you turn to God, I'm telling you, he can say, I, I, can, I can help you on this. He's done that with me so many times because, like I said, I have made some really, really poor decisions. And uh, even to my youngest grandson, he, he, he doesn't say stupid. He says, stupid. And so that's our word for our family. And I, we just, that's really stupid. Don't do that. It's stupid. But uh, I feel that, that I've made some decisions like that. But I'm so thankful for the love of my father. And today, I really believe that this is going to minister to you because I believe that there's probably one or two of you have made some bad decisions. And uh, God wants you to know that he can restore that. He can fix things that man says are unfixable. 
Even in your mind, when you say there's no hope, God says, I'm the God of all hope. So he can help you in this. Can you say amen? amen? In Genesis chapter 24, this is a great story about Abraham. Uh, his son is old enough now to get married. And so the story is he's living in a, a land that uh, does not believe like him, in the Canaanite land. And so he does not want his son marrying a Canaanite. So he tells his number one servant, I want you to go back to my hometown and I want you to find a wife for my son. And uh, like any good father, you want your children to marry somebody awesome. And so uh, I'm thankful for one out of three. The other two are not married yet. So I believe there's going to be three out of three. So help me God. But anyway, uh, so this is Abraham's heart. His heart was like, I, I really want a good wife for my for my son, so he sends off his, his servant, and he says, listen, I want you to go, and God's going to lead you. He invokes God at the very beginning. If you read the first few scriptures of Genesis chapter 24, he sits there, and he goes, that the angel of the Lord will even lead you in this. Now, I don't know if God spoke to him and said an angel was going to listen. him. I don't think that. I just think that Abraham knew how much that he wanted a great woman for his son, I believe Abraham's heart was that he knew the heart of God and he knew that if this is valuable and this is so important to him, that it's going to be likewise just as important to God. Did y'all hear that? Because if you're making a decision that's super important to you, you can take it to the bank that your heavenly father says it's way more important to me. But since it's important to you, I want you to know it's important to me. And so the servant goes off. He gets into Abraham's hometown. In verse 12, he picks it up here and he said, Then he said, O Lord God of my master, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. This is the first time in the Bible that the word success is mentioned. And that word success means right happening. Right happening. So what Abraham's servant was saying, put me at the right place at the right time so I can make the right decision. The world calls that luck. But to the believer, we believe that we're being led even when we don't understand or knowingly know that we're being led. You're led every day whether you know it or not. I said, you're being led every day, whether you know it or not. Amen. And so as the servant knew at that culture at that time, the women would come and draw water in the evening. So what a smart guy. He goes to the watering hole to find a woman, you know, it's like coming to church to find a, a good woman. Anyway, but... Um, so he goes and he, all these women are coming and he, he makes this prayer and he says, Lord, I'm going to ask a woman to give me a drink. And if she says, yes, I'll give you a drink, let her also say, I will water all of your camels as well, which that's a lot of work because you got to go draw the water and a camel doesn't drink a glass. 
I mean, they drink gallons of water. I looked it up one time. I forgot, but I should have remembered, but I forgot. But they drink gallons of water at a time. And so he had a whole herd of camels. If I stop, that means I'm asking for help. Herd. It's so great when you all don't know something that I don't know like that. So that's just... That just makes me feel so smart. But anyway, a lot of camels. And so, sure enough, he asks for a drink. Rebecca stands out and says, I'll give you a drink, and I'll water your camels also. Ding, 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 ding. She's the one. And so, to make a long story short, he and her go back to Canaan, and she marries and becomes the wife of Isaac. The Lord was leading him. And so I believe that is how God wants things to be in your life. Now, like I said, there's so many times that we don't ask God or get God involved at the beginning. But I want you to know and not forget, even if that doesn't happen, God's not writing you off. God says, why didn't you seek me first? But he wants you to know that he'll give you beauty for ashes. Amen? So the first time this word right happening means, sure enough, the servant was at the right place at the right time, but then it says, show kindness to my master Abraham. That word kindness is grace, the favor of God. He says, show the grace of God. And this is pre-cross. And so Abraham's servant was saying, I want to have this grace, this kindness, just so my, my master will know that he's getting the right woman for his son. I believe when you look to the Lord, God does everything to get you at the right place at the right time. When I was putting these notes down, I, I, I did this at first. I said, I believe when you are fully committed to the Lord, the Lord will help you getting to the right place at the right time. And that is very true. And a lot of my life, I have been super committed, medium committed, low committed, non-committal to some of the things of God. And, uh, and I tell people this. I think when I look back on my life, probably when I was in the Air Force, I, was so, I mean, my commitment level was out the roof. It was just God in the morning, God in noon, God at night, God in between, God, God, God. And then I thought about it, and I thought, that's because I thought I was going to die. So you can be really God conscious when you think you could die any minute. But, uh, and then I changed it, though. Because I think people's looking to God and being committed is going to be di different from person to person. And let's just face it. Let me just be honest. There are a lot of people on this planet that their commitment level, if you were looking at them, you may say, ah, I don't know about their commitment level to God. And then so if they hear that or if they know that or if they believe that about themselves, they're going to think that God's not going to help them in the decision process or in the mistake process. So I just felt like the Lord says, that's not true. He wants you to know today not to think that I have to be really committed to him before he's going to help me. 
So I know you could take that. Oh, great. But I'm not going to be committed at all. I just believe he's going to help me. I don't believe that will be your heart. But I'm saying this. It's more than likely you're like me. A lot of times you just think, man, I'm just really not committed you know, in this area or that area. I'm not doing this. I should be doing this. But this is what your heavenly father wants you to know today. He wants you to know this. He still is going to do everything to help you. Is that a good father? Even when you think that uh, I didn't even ask for his help. I believe God is helping people who've never even asked him for help. But my point of making this is, I believe if you just lean towards asking God, God, can you help me in this area? Can you show me? Boy, you just look out. He'll move heaven and earth. Things happen that you had no clue of. People will come to your rescue. God will give you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Listen to me. I mean, I've seen books titled, and this is not a knock on them, God of a Second Chance. I never did like that because I thought, I need more than two, honey. (laughs) Maybe you're better than me, but I don't need three. I don't need four. There's times in my life I just go, okay, if this is an unlimited part, I need that. And the Lord says, every day of your life, my mercies are new every morning. Therefore, it is an unlimited pass. I will give you chance after chance after chance after chance after chance. And then when you find out and think, I think I've used all of my chances, he'll wake up. He'll wake you up the next morning and you'll know there will be more chances than that day as well. I just sense in my heart this. I'm going to say this. I believe there's some teenagers in here. I believe this is for everybody, but some teenagers need to hear this. Are you listening to me, teenagers? You need to know that what I just said, that God wants to give you more than just one, more than just two, that he's the God of unlimited chances. And you need to know this for this reason. You have made some choices or you may make some choices that have caused an ash heap. And God wants you to know you will remember what I'm saying to you. I'm not even going to say remember. You will remember this. When you see ashes in your life, you know that the God of restoration is going to bring beauty out of your ashes. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Well, if you're going to make decisions, you do need to look to God. And I've given this illustration, so I don't have a better illustration, so I'm going to give it again. There's times that where you're praying about something and you don't hear anything. Those times in my life, I just think, God, where are you? What's going on? Please answer me. Please answer me. You don't hear anything. And so I believe the Lord... He has given me this illustration about, you know, when the signal light goes out on a highway. When it goes out, it's either flashing, all four flashing red or two are red and two are yellow. And uh, the city believes that you will make the right decision when you don't get the right signal. The city has confidence in you and me. That if all four are flashing, hopefully when everybody gets up there, they know what to do. Now, I know you may have been like me and gotten behind somebody 
before and they just sit there and they're waiting for it to turn green and you think it ain't gonna happen it's always it's broke so you just got to take turns and I mean most people don't do that but I feel like I've got behind somebody and go (laughs) but you know that you're supposed to take turns emphasis on take turns but the city has trust and believes that you will do the best in doing that and so I believe that that's your heavenly father He's living on the inside of you, first of all. And so if you feel like I'm not hearing from him, and you th- he wants you to know this, that he trusts that you're going to make the right, uh, the right decision. He trusts you. Are you hearing me? So don't, we, we, just, we just get all uptight and in fear when it comes to decision making because we think that I'm just so afraid that I'm going to make the wrong decision. And probably because you're going on your track record, maybe. Maybe you've made some wrong decisions. But I'm just here to tell you that even if you do, God can get you back on the right track. It's not over. Life is not going to end because you made a wrong decision. And so I just remember when I was um, making a decision about my career... That's one of the great decisions that people have to make. I remember that my goal was I was just going to move up the corporate ladder at FedEx. And, uh, and I was on my way. I was in charge of the aircraft operation in Louisville, Kentucky. And I thought, man, this is, I was making good money and everything was rosy. And uh, I was getting raises and promotions and life was good. And right in the middle of all of that, I just felt in my heart that I didn't have peace about what I was doing. And I thought, what's up with that? I didn't feel good about it, and I thought, I don't understand. So I just put it on the back burner. I just, day in and day out, I did my job. Until one day, I was in church, and all of a sudden, I just sensed that I was called to ministry. I was supposed to be a minister, which scared me because I remember when my mom, in my teenage years, rebellious years, she said, one day, you're going to preach the gospel. I rebuked that. I didn't say that. I actually said this, word for word. We have Billy Graham, that's good enough for God. I ain't going to be a preacher, Mom. I'm sorry. I mean, I love you, and you are the sweetest woman on the planet, but that ain't going to happen. Not in my lifetime. She's laughing in heaven as we speak. And uh, so when I started sensing that in church, that uh, I asked my pastor, I, I had a, a meeting with him, I set it up, he set it up, and he says, come to my office and we'll talk, and he talked and he said, well, if you're really called to, to ministry, you, you should probably go to Bible school, Bible school. That didn't sound appealing, but I said, Okay. So I started seeking it out, and I got, got it down to two Bible schools. I was leaning towards one that was close to my relatives in Tennessee uh, because I had a three-year-old, Danielle, and uh, so I thought uh, I needed all the help to raise her. So I was going to choose the Bible school that was close to my relatives in Tennessee so they could help me with her. And lo and behold, the Lord says, I just felt in my heart that, no, that's not where I want you to go. I want you to go the one all the way in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 650 miles away from my home where I knew no one. 
never been. I mean, it was just horrible. And so I just, okay, I'm going to do this. My mom was really upset because she was the caregiver. She would help me take care of Danielle at the time. Because uh, my first wife, she was killed in a car accident. So I, it was just me and Danielle. So my m- mother, she said, no, that's the wrong decision, Mike. You do not need, who's going to take care of Danielle? Forget about anything about my life or having a job or anything else. Who's going to take care of Danielle? I go, I don't know. I don't know. She says, well, that's not good enough. You, I, I don't think this is God. And then for, I just had to realize I had peace in my heart. Listen, if you make a decision that doesn't make sense between your ears, but you have peace on the inside, you can rest assured that's God. Did you hear that? It's real simple, but you can miss that, but just not having peace on the inside. I had tremendous peace. And so I did move to Tulsa. Everything worked out great. And uh, lo and behold, that's where I met Melody, my wife. So the Lord had to move me 650 miles to to meet my wife. And I might add, uh, that's where Nathan and Danielle connected as well. So I told Nathan, I says, you owe me. He said, thank you. I said, no, you tell God, thank you. You owe me. You t- <laughs> I'm just saying. But anyway, you just, sometimes we don't have a 30,000-foot view. God is always seeing everything from a 30,000-foot view. So he knows, I want you at this place, at this location, because I got a divine appointment for you that you know nothing about. Isn't God good? I'm telling you. And listen, you need to eradicate this from your thinking. Are you hearing me? You know, when people say, well, you know, if I just give my life to God, if I start this whole God thing, you know, you know, he may, and you hear this all the time. I heard this growing up. You know, you better be careful because he could call you to Africa. <laughs> First of all, if, if people in Africa go, excuse me, that's offensive. <laughs> but that's what people would do. So... That is so wrong to think that anything that you give, you you want to commit your life to God, you want to follow him, and he's going to ask you to do something that you hate, that will make your life miserable. I went to Africa, by the way, and I loved it, and I didn't want to come back to America, just for all those haters out there. I mean, I was in cloud nine when I was in Africa. I didn't want to come back, and God told me, you know, you need to go back to Pueblo, Colorado and start a church. But anyway, my point is this. You need to eradicate from your mind that your heavenly father will call you or ask you to do something that will cause unhappiness or a lack of joy in your life. That was a lot more enthusiastic statement than what I see on your faces. I'm going to say it again. Your father wants to... I'm not going to ask my three kids to do something that I know. Yeah, I want you to do this. You're going to be miserable. (laughs) And I'm going to love it. I'm going to see misery in your life. What kind of father would I be? But people have that mentality about God. Stop it. Stop it. Know that your father, if he asks you to do anything, it's because of your best interests. Because he knows what will make... Do you know that God knows what will make you happy more than you know what will make you happy? That's tremendous. Anyway, I made that decision and uh, I had super peace. And I'm telling you, my, it, it was joyful. 
Every decision I made, when I moved to Tulsa, my life was full of joy and victory. When I moved to Africa, it was full of joy and victory. And when I came to Pueblo, it still is today full of joy and full of victory. Colossians chapter 3 amplifies this. Maybe it's because it's from the Amplified Version. But anyway, um, that was a joke. And let the peace, so harmony, which comes from Christ, rule, act as an umpire continually. An umpire, that's somebody who calls out safe. The peace of God will allow that to happen to you. Deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in peaceful state. To which as members of Christ's one body you were also called to live. And be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. So he's saying here that you'll have peace. If you're making a decision, know that you'll have peace. You will have peace. And if you don't have peace, let off on the accelerator in making that decision. So you're going to involve God. All right? In Psalms 119, he talks about your word is a lamp into my feet, a light into my path. So the word of God can help you in knowing that peace. And then the second principle, I'm going to give you three. The second one is get all of the facts. In the day in which we live, nobody has any excuse for getting the facts. They're at your fingertips. You can ask Google anything and everything. Except who to marry. Well, you could ask Google that, and I'm not for sure what kind of answer you get, but it probably won't be the right one. You know, where are you going to live? Those won't come from Google. But if you're going to purchase something, by all means, get all of the facts that you possibly can. Anytime that I'm buying something, you probably do it as well. You get on Google and you, you look at the reviews. You look at the reviews and see how uh, many stars they have. But in Proverbs, it says this, 23, 23. Get the facts at any price and hold on tightly to all the good sense you can get. Emphasis on good sense. So you need to not disconnect your brain and just say, well, I just believe God's going to lead me. Well, you do need to get common sense. You need to get the facts. I'm not saying that, you know, there's been times in my life I got the facts and then the Lord says, I still want you to do this and I do that. But it was very specific. But generally speaking, when you're making a decision, you want God involved. And number two, you want to make sure you get all the facts. If I'm purchasing something or if I'm going to buy something, there's certain people that I go to and I get their advice. And that leads me to the number three. You need to get advice. There's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. You need to get advice from people, all right? So I know, especially if you're going to marry somebody, if you're going to change careers, any major, major decision that's going to really, really change your life, man, you know, talk to some people. Again, the first person you're going to talk to is who, though? God. The very first person, that goes back to number one. If you're going to get advice, the very first person you're going to talk to is God. Everybody hear that? You young people, just because somebody's whatever, you better talk to God about that whatever and get the facts. Stalk them on Facebook. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. Okay, maybe it's the wrong thing to do, but it wouldn't be bad. You need to know all of what you can about that person, all right? So you're going to get the facts. And you, you need, when I say get the advice, don't, you know, I've had friends in the past that whatever I liked or wanted, they would go, yes, do that. 
great, do that. Jump off a 60-foot cliff, do it. You need people who go, hey, no, don't, don't do that. That's not smart. Don't do that. You need people in your life that, that love you enough to tell you no. Are you hearing me? So make sure that you have some people in your life that can tell you no, and you still be great friends, and it won't hurt your relationship. So you're going to involve God, you're going to get the facts, and you're going to ask for advice. And um, there's an old proverb, I don't know where it came from, it says, if you don't have a brain, borrow one. (laughs) Enough said. Proverbs 17.24 says this, an intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. So if you're involving God, if you're getting the facts, you're going to have a specific direction. But I will say this, when it comes to some things, don't get paralyzed. And by that I mean you never make a decision. I'm not saying that you should make a decision fast, but on the other ditch, there's one that you make it too fast, on the other one is you never make it. If you're going to finish something, or if you have a goal in life, the number one thing you need to make sure you do is start. Start. If you're going to start a business, if you've been talking about it for five years, ten years, you probably ought to start. I don't know how true this is, but uh, you can Google this as well, which doesn't mean it's always true. But social scientists say, in your lifetime, you'll make over three million decisions. I don't know how they came up with that. Three million decisions. I mean, that just boggles your mind. But they did say this in that same article that uh, 12 of those decisions will change the course of your life. Twelve. You know, and I'm thinking, who you're going to marry? That'll change the course of your life. Where you're going to live? What career you're going to choose? What school you're going to go to? Who your friends are going to be? Did you hear that, young people? Who your friends are going to be? That'll change the course of your life. So there's decisions that those 12 decisions you need to hopefully make the best decisions. And I believe as knowing how much God your father loves you. He's going to do everything to help you in those 12 decisions. He will help you. And so I want you to know that God is going to be speaking to you. He is going to be leading to you. Even when you're not super spiritual, so to speak. Even when you're not feeling like some people don't even feel like they deserve to hear from God. I don't know where that comes from. But your father's always going to be wanting to have input in your life no matter what. In the end of September, October sometime, I've got it down that I'm going to talk about relationship, what kind of relationship God wants to have with you. Did you know your father... Your Heavenly Father wants to have the most awesome relationship with you. And so I felt like instead of waiting, I really felt like this fits in here. And John, it talks about God and Jesus, uh, their relationship. In chapter 5, verse 19, it says, 
So Jesus said, I speak to you timeless truth. Timeless truth. The son is not able to do anything from himself or through my own initiative. I only do the works that I see the father doing. For the son does the same works as the father. Because his father loves him so much. Because his father loves his son so much. He always reveals to me everything that he is about to do. And you will be amazed when he shows me even greater works than what you've seen so far. So Jesus said, I want you to know I have such a close relationship with my heavenly father. He loves me so much. And if you just read that, you go, well, that's all fine and dandy. But then you continue to read in John chapter 17. This is what God and Jesus want you to know today in verse 23. I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect. John 17, 23, that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So you don't think God is going to try to help you no matter what? He loves you and wants the same kind of relationship that he has with Jesus, he wants the exact same kind of relationship with you. And that's why in 1 John 4, 17, it says, because as he is, so are we in this world. You can make some mistakes in your life. You can purchase something that you later go, what was I thinking? You know that advertisement? 60 easy payments. I've come to the conclusion it's only easy if you're paying it, not me. Then those payments become real easy. But I know this. Even in mistakes like that, your Heavenly Father is hes so gracious and merciful. God wants you to know that He is there for you 24-7. You can make the worst mistake. I look at David. I don't know too many people. Have, well, I do. But David made the ultimate mistakes. He was supposed to be out leading the army. It was that time of the year. He was not. He was at home in his castle. And he sees some really, really great looking woman. And he says, I'm going to have an affair with her. And he does, and you know, of course when you do things like that, you don't think things through. <laughs> but yet he did, and he gets his servants to go get the woman. So I'm thinking, how are you going to hide this if those guys went to go get her and knew who she was and that she was married? And you're going to keep that hidden? Let's just be honest. People are people back then as they are today. So my point is, there's going to be a lot of doing this. You will not believe what David did. So she becomes pregnant. And then he goes, this is really bad. So he makes one decision, poor decision after another poor decision. And so he has her husband killed, murdered. He does it. He decides that. I don't know about you, but I'm just thinking, this is really bad. You just want to, David, 
What were you thinking? I've made some poor mistakes too. I can't point my finger to David. I can't point my finger to anybody. I've made some horrible decisions in my life. I have. Some that I'm glad you don't know about. And I pray that you never find out about. But this is my point. When the dust settled, listen to me now. By law, David should have been stoned. Definitely taken from being a king. By law, a lot of things should have happened to David. The way the world sees it, a lot of judgment should have happened on David. The way that I would see it, I think a lot of judgment should have happened on David. But oh, our Heavenly Father sees things so differently from mankind. He said, when the dust settles, you're still going to be my man. You're going to have a heart that's after me. And I'm going to raise you up and you're going to become the greatest king that Israel has ever known outside of Jesus Christ. That's my Heavenly Father. He can take the most worst decision, destruction of all time. And he says, I can cause you not only to be restored, I can cause you to be set on top of the mountain. While everybody's looking for judgment, my father's saying, I'm looking for promotion. I'm going to make you something that you never dreamed you could be. That's my father. God sees something in every one of us that nobody can see. Not even you. Not even me. He sees something in us. And just like Habakkuk chapter 3 19, it's one of my favorite scriptures. He says, hey, I'll cause your feet to be like Hind's feet, and I'll cause you, I will do this. I'll cause you to walk in the high places. He says, I've been doing it all throughout time. And he says, I still do it today. I think we just don't understand the goodness of our Heavenly Father. We don't know the real character of God. We still don't. I, I feel like, you know, he's, it's like an onion. I peel off and I go, man, I never knew the character and the nature of God. But listen to me. If you get his character and nature wrong, your relationship is going to be wrong with him. If you think he is out to get you when you make a poor decision, then your character and relationship with him will be wrong. My, I don't, nobody's ever going to know the, the perfect character and the perfect nature of God. But thank God I've left the port and I'm on my way. I have left and I understand more than I ever have how good he is. How great things he has for me. In Jeremiah he says, my plans for you are plans of prosperity and goodness. Surely goodness will just pour on you and overflow because it's too much for you to handle, my son. His goodness is too much for you and me to handle. One person can't handle it at all. But he says, I'm going to just continually pour it on you so it comes in and out and overflows. And he says, I want to make sure it touches everybody in your life. Everybody say, that's my God. People underestimate the passion and the love that God has for them. I do, you do. We underestimate it. Let's stand. But the more we do understand, the more that you understand his character and his nature, the more that you want to just have a closer relationship with him. 
That's what he wants you to hear today. Listen to me now. The relationship that he has once with you is not a relationship that is based in its foundation on performance. I don't think he got it. If you think your relationship with him is totally based on how good or how bad you are or how you can perform for him and with him, you will always come up in the wrong place when it comes to having a right relationship with God. You young people, man, you're hearing this. I wish I knew this when I was 15, 16. I probably would have gotten a lot less trouble. He wants you to know that his relationship will never, never be about performance. It'll be about him being the father and you being his daughter or son and wanting to commune with you and walk you through life in every storm, in every situation, no matter what you've done or are doing or will do, his love will be abundantly poured out to you. <laughs> We all, I mean, all of us say, man, I don't deserve that. Amen to that. None of us. There's not a single person on this planet can say, I deserve that. And God said, it's by grace that I'm giving this gift to you. It's what I want. It's not even what you care about what you want. He said, this is what I want, and I'm going to get what I want. Woo! God is going to get what he wants. And what he wants is a relationship and fellowship with you that he will always look to you as you're the apple of his eye. No matter what's going on, he says, that's my son on who I am well pleased. He did that with Jesus. That's our example. When Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water. Jesus hadn't performed one miracle, hadn't did one good miracle or anything, hadn't preached one sermon, hadn't did any performance whatsoever. And God says, I want everybody to hear this. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased before he did anything. It just ought to tell you it's not based upon performance or doing works. It's based upon him being the father and you being the child. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you that you're changing us, changing our mentality, causing us to see the character and nature of God like we've never seen before. Causing us to look to you as a true father. Many people have not had a father, but and not even even the best father cannot compare to the, the father that we have. Help us to see that father in every decision process and our everyday of life. Know that the father is there and he loves us. Help us to see that. And to remember that for every mistake of ashes, he will turn those ashes into beauty for the glory of God and that people will say, this is what my God did for me. May that be the story of each and every one of us in Jesus' name. Amen.